and welcome to the Colts Cover 2 podcast. I am Joel A. Erickson. I am joined, as always, by Nate Atkins, who is handling driving duties in the snowy uh, roads of Minnesota. Um, not because I can't drive in snow, just because it's he's the one with the name on the rental car today. Uh, we're going to start here. It's Christmas week, officially starting tomorrow. By the time most of you will be listening to this, it's Christmas week. And we'll start this off with a, uh, a Christmas vacation quote. Look around us, Ellen. We're at the threshold of hell. The Colts. That's the a Colts, good one. The Colts lost today, which is remarkable, considering that at the end of the first half, the Colts were winning 33 to nothing. How remarkable is that? It's never happened to any NFL team ever before. Uh, I'm kind of telling you guys stuff you already know, but it's just worth restating. Uh, this is my favorite stat from the day from, from the Associated Press uh, that Josh Dubow, who I think is over in Raiderville. Um, before today, teams were 1,548 wins, one loss, and one tie when leading any game in the NFL by 30 points or more. After today, teams are now 1,548, 2-1 and one, after the Colts lost. Uh, in overtime, 39 to 36. Hard game to make sense of, but it it was it's weird, kind of how it's weird how how natural it felt as the game started to go off the rails in the second half. Um, like for instance, I I was at the Super Bowl, which also involved Matt Ryan, although he's going to end up taking probably more. Well, I don't know. This is what he deserves a lot of the blame for. Um, but uh. I was at that Super Bowl when it was 28 to three, and that one it didn't feel like it, the comeback was actually going to happen until um, the sack. You know, it was it was really this one. They scored the third touchdown, and I was like, "Oh, this is happening." Yeah, well, I remember both times when the referees took the touchdown off the board and the fumbles. I kept thinking like that, like in a for a normal team in a different game, it'd be like, you know, this comeback's not meant to be. But yet it still was meant to be because there are just so many opportunities that the Colts give teams uh, to do things like this, to do inexplicable things. I mean, this is in two the last two games, they've done something kind of historic or not kind of. It is historic. Last week, the last time out against the Cowboys, they had the largest uh, fourth quarter scoring margin in the history of football. And this week it's the, uh, you know, the largest uh I, I think, come back in history of football. I think since Nat Newell listens to this podcast, I think technically the thirty-three to nothing was the worst since nineteen twenty-six. I think, or thirty-three okay. points Modern or something football. in the fourth quarter. Um, Nat Nat will text me when he hears this and, and can tell me what the actual stat was. But yes, no, obviously two absolutely unconscionable uh, periods of games. Um, and the reason, though, that it, I mean, it feels natural, not just to us, but like, you know, there's a Colts player today who said that uh, like this this game feels like it's going to sum up their entire season, that there's an opportunity here. Every, like there have been so many different opportunities this season, different forms of opportunity. This one was an opportunity to actually go out there, play a four quarter game and like really look like a good team, which for one half seemed to be there. And then. They find every way imaginable to reverse that. Everything they can do to let a team back in, they do. And that's kind of what they've been in different ways throughout the season, whether it's, you know, it's losing the low-scoring games, whether it's giving up the 
you know, the draw touchdown to Jalen Hurts, whether it's, you know, what happened in Dallas where they're they're in a game and then it they so, suddenly get blown out, or today where it seems like they can't possibly lose mathematically, but everyone and, – and that's the problem is that when they feel that way, that's exactly how a game like this goes. There's such a nervousness to this team – the moment that any team, like another team gets rolling, they don't have the belief that they can get it done because they haven't really gotten a lot done this year, especially on the offensive side of the ball, which is, um, to me, that's that's where I would put more of the blame in this one. I know that sounds weird when they blew a 33-0 uh, lead and lost, but that's kind of where I'm at with it is, is it's more of an offensive failure. Well, one of the things I keep thinking about is just – this Colts team was three two and one, and it was a bad three two and one. They were they were not a good team, uh, but they were three two and one, and they they they'd won some games, and since that time, they are now one and seven, and one and four under Jeff Saturday, uh, in in as as you detailed at the top, some ridiculous fashion the last two weeks. It's somehow getting worse. Um, yeah, just kind of speechless. It's also it's also interesting or funny to me personally. The last time I was in that stadium was to cover the the Eagles Patriots Super Bowl, and then the time I was in that stadium before that was to cover the Minneapolis Miracle. So now, uh, thanks to the Saints and the Colts, I've now covered probably like two of the top three or four greatest moments in Minnesota Vikings <laughs> history uh, from pretty much the same seat too. Um, I saw someone called this the Minneapolis Miracle number two. So. I, so I'm gonna before we get into the categories here, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a, a, a controversial case. This is this is by numbers. This is the best comeback in NFL history. Um, by numbers, it is it is a miracle. But I'm gonna discount both of those things a little bit because the Colts are bad. <laughs> exactly. Like Frank Reich's Buffalo Bills comeback against the Houston Oilers is still the greatest comeback of all time in NFL history, regardless of the fact that it was, I think, one point more. Uh, for the Colts, for the Vikings today, because Frank Reich was going against Warren Moon and the Houston Oilers, and who I'd were good. S- and I'd say the second best ever was when Andrew Luck came back on the Chiefs yeah, in yeah, the playoffs. Yeah. They're, they're going against good teams in yeah. in the playoffs. This was um, a a a collapse a collapse from a, a bad team that's been a bad team all season. Uh, should it have happened? No. Is it remarkable that it happened? Yes. But I. I'm gonna hold off. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a numerical designation. I'm gonna put a little asterisk on on worst collapse in NFL history. Um, and the fact that it feels like that, that it feels any bit natural, kind of sums up where we are and where this team is. Let's let's get into the categories, and these are gonna be interesting, I think, because uh, the positive categories are gonna sound are gonna feel as weird as normal. Uh, but the flip side of it is, at the halftime, it felt like we were going to be hammering those and not hammering the other ones. Oh, yeah. So we got to start here with – it's a loss. So we got to start out here with the villain. Villain of the game. Um, what do you got? I think you already telegraphed it a little bit in your yeah. opening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's the offense. It's uh, To me, it's – to Ooh, me, a collective villain. It's a collective villain. I'm going to go with – I don't know how I want to phrase this. There are – their identity on offense or what they want to be, what they're trying to be, which is let's just run the heck out of the ball, which back when they had Jonathan Taylor, you know, made sense. It's let, let's 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 simplify when they it. Had a, also last year when they had a good run blocking O-line, but continue. Yeah, and it right, it hasn't worked nearly the same way this year. And so they've they've been so run heavy under Jeff Saturday, which isn't a shock, but but you could justify, hey, we're giving the ball to our 
uh, best player. He's got to carry us because we don't have enough else to do. I understand the logic in it. But when Jonathan Taylor goes out on the very first drive and you still end up giving 37 carries to running backs and just some of the situations where they, they ran on a third and five from the Minnesota 11 just to set up a field goal. They ran out of a timeout into a run blitz from the one-yard line to lose seven yards. Like, they are, they were giving this away. That's, this is how that started is that they were so if, – if, this is where I said it feels weird to say it because it's like – at the time it was like, oh, they could be up 40 nothing. It's like, well, how – how much does it really matter at that point? Well, it did end up mattering because they couldn't score the rest of the game. Like, points are at such a premium for the offense. They were getting points in other ways. They got a pump block touchdown and a pick six. But they scored one offensive touchdown today, which is as they, their offense engaged in a shootout with Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook in a dome, scored as many touchdowns as JoJo Doman did. And that's an indictment. So, to me, the villain is the offense, their approach – what they're trying to be, what they want to be, and their complete refusal or inability to adjust. its, it's That's just kind of where they are under this current uh, coaching staff. Obviously, they have limitations, but um, I still think you got to do a lot better than that. So, uh, taking the entire offense really wipes off a lot of the villain board for uh, for, for those of us over here on the other side. I'll, I'm going to go I'm going to go with the cornerbacks. Um, well, I'll go, I'll go with the more conventional pick defensively just because you have the offense. Um, but I, I thought that they pl- I thought Gilmore played well in the first half, but in the second half, um, the I, Osborne and Jefferson had 280 yards between them. Uh, they ended up they ended they ended up giving up 436 yards, I think, in the second half, and and the it, the, the coverage just wasn't the same in the second half, and so it's 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 a short case. There's not really much one one much to be made, but we'll we'll, we'll I'll throw a villain to the cornerbacks. And safeties for what happened, the, the entire secondary for what happened. Now, again, I, I think, I think, I think that I actually think that, for the most part, uh, Matt Ryan and Jeff Saturday, the smartest thing they said was, if you're going to lose a game the way they lost this one, some of it's on everybody. But, uh, but yeah, if I'm going to go with the villain, I'll do that. Uh, yeah, it makes sense to narrow it down to the cornerbacks because both two safeties had picks and one right, of them scored right, a right, touchdown. Right, right, right. So. Yeah, it was, you know, Gilmore I don't think played his best game, and I thought this is probably Isaiah Rodgers' toughest day this season. K.J. Osborne really had a way, and Adam Thielen was pretty good, and it's a good passing game, uh, you know, and it's it's just the situation. They were down Kenny Moore. They were down Brandon Faison. Rodgers, you know, ended up probably playing just about every snap. I think he's had a nice season, but it goes to show kind of what he had told me last week, which was, you know, he still looks at himself as a very young player. He's got room to grow. He's keeping it in perspective of, you know, there's a lot of people wanting him to play, him included, but there is still growth to be done with him, and I think today showed some of that. We'll, we'll stick with the villains for a little bit. Unsung villain of the day. I'm going to take the officials right away, although they probably were sung quite a bit, but they were just bad Ugh, overall. They were so bad, bad on both sides. They, the, the, the Vikings lost two fumble sixes that they absolutely should have had. Um, Chandon Sullivan lost two touchdowns. One 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 Vikings player lost two touchdowns because the refs were uh, quick with their whistle. Um, and then on one of them, the Colts didn't even get charged with a fumble, even though Michael Pittman Jr. very much fumbled. He very much fumbled in that. Um, yeah. And so I just I just want to take an opportunity to single out the officials because they were also bad on the Colts side. DeForest Buckner's roughing the passer made no sense to me. Uh, I didn't see a good replay, but I know a lot of you guys out there said that the Gilmore – uh, contact was to the player's chest and not to his head. Um, 
I think the Rodney Thomas one looked pretty much like a defensive play. Uh, it, just a lot of very confusing calls. Um, I never found out from Dio Odengbo what, what he got called for, but I didn't think the tackle, because they said after the play, so I guess he, he got called for taunting or something? I don't know. It was very weird. Um, very Just a, a terribly refed game uh, from this crew. And so that, that uh, it, it, they should probably be higher than an unsung villain. I think when 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 uh, they're probably the actual villain, given that yeah. when you have uh, when you have both si- fan bases angry at you, that's that's pretty bad, um, and justifiably angry at you. But but that's that's what I'm going to go with. I just wanted to take some time to single out just how bad this crew was. Really terribly officiated game. It, it to me like the same mistake twice two times you whistled it early like you didn't figure it out the first time there's just no reason to be whistling early especially and that's been very high profile in the nfl the last couple of years like that's been like a big talking point yep and like i just it's a side note to it it's just funny to me that they that anybody thinks that michael Pittman jr was going to stop fighting for yardage that guy will fight for every single yardage he'll ever get even if it was like fourth and 18 even if he should go down that's just not how he's wired that's that's a good one, and I guess this sort of, uh, in a way, doubles up on my other villain. But I'm going to pare it down since I went the whole office to a specific piece, um, and I'm going to feel a little bad to, to pile on a guy. But um, since we have this category, I think Deion Jackson's got to be in there for the fumble. Just such an untimely play. I mean, I guess they got out of it. They, you know, the defense got a fourth down stop, um, and they that's where they lucked out with the referees blowing the whistle early, um, but. Yeah, it's it's just it was a it was a tough moment and it just he became the latest you know, the latest man of the offense. It's everyone's been doing it this season is these turnovers at some of the most absurd times. And I'll give him credit though, I, I, I bring this up he deserves this, you know, criticism for the field, of what he did on the field, but he really owned it after the game and he said, you know, he, he knows that when he goes into traffic he's gotta have two hands on the ball and he said, It's on me, point blank, period and I always appreciate when you know, guys willing to to do that when I know he was he was really really heartbroken about it. So he's my choice for that. Hero, hero of the game. Um, this is a tough this, this is a tougher one because a lot of the people that oh man really nice Christmas light display. Uh, they got like the whole tree done up basically. Um, but uh. Hero of the game was again. So many of these got cheapened by the way, especially defensively, got cheapened by the way things happened in the second half. But hero of the game, I'm going to go with Bubba Ventrone. Colts special teams had a very good day. Dallas Flowers is a very explosive kick returner that they found. Um, they've gotten uh, they got they got five field goals from Chase McLaughlin, including another 50 yarder, uh, and then. Uh, and then they they also got um, the the block punt and the touchdown, you know. So uh, big time, big time, big time game from the special teams from Bubba Ventrone. Uh, I think that's pretty huge. Yeah, that definitely. I mean, we we were talking about how this is this kind of a collapses on everyone, and then we thought like, well, actually, I don't know what you'd say about the special teams that would actually have been a problem you know there was a time where there was almost a punt return but they got there was a face mask so that that knocked it out there was almost a 51 yard punt return that was going to add to it yep yep so that's a good choice i'll go with uh dio adangbo i thought he really flashed today um they're they were needing more out of him with taekwon lewis down and um you know he's a second round pick that at some point you want to see 
a little more out of, and I thought he showed it today. He had two sacks, helped key a defense that had seven sacks, and just a lot of moments where he was chasing down Kirk Cousins, got him stopped on the uh, fourth down play after after Jackson's fumble. So I thought Dio kind of helped keep him I, in it for the for a while. I have some insight on this because I, I, I talked to Dio last week. Uh, I might still run this story at some point this week, depending on just how the days shake out. Um, but he said the earlier he said earlier in the week that he felt like. Um, and Quiddy Pay kind of backed him up on this, but but Dio felt like um, he was getting better, and that the numbers were going to come, the sack numbers were going to come, and it was just a matter of time. Well, he got two today, so he's up to three and a half on the season. Um, he obviously had the penalty, which I still don't know what happened there, but but yeah, they they felt like what he'd been putting on tape was really good, and they just hadn't gotten the the full sack yet, and it happened it happened today, so that's two for him. Um, Unsung hero, I, I'm sticking with my. Uh, I'm sticking with my. I'm gonna. This is. A, I'm gonna do the same thing you did. You you pared down your villain into an unsung villain. I'm gonna pare down special teams into a uh, into an unsung hero. And uh, Dallas Flowers, dude's electric. Yeah, he had he had two returns. He had a return of 49. I think a return of 41. And we've seen him return the ball like five times, and a bunch of, and like three of them have been huge returns. Uh, that guy's fun. That that I I don't. I think he played a little bit of defense too. Um, yep. Which who knows? Maybe that plays a role in what happened on defense in the second half. But uh, but yeah, I, I Dallas Flowers as a kick returner, um, tons of juice from a, a unit. Kick return units don't really make a lot of plays anymore, and just league league wide in the NFL. And they're getting them pretty regularly from Flowers. Yeah, it's a good choice. It's it's interesting how he got to this point. I really, you know, I, I think Zach Key for the Athletic had this originally, but uh, Isaiah Rogers went over in the middle of uh, one of those games. I forget which game it was, but he he told Bubba Ventro and put Dallas back there as kick returner. And you know, and and that's that's a bold thing. I know how much Isaiah loves doing that role, and he just hasn't let it. It just hasn't popped for him the same way. But it's. It's something Dallas stepped into and has really kind of given juice to. And, yeah, I don't know that he played great on defense. I didn't notice him a lot, um, which could be good or not so good. But, um, but yeah, the fact that he was even earning those snaps, that's, that's coming a long way for a guy, um, kind of his background that was just sort of a total wild card. So definitely seems like a sort of a prospect that they'll continue to see what they can get out of. Number of the day. Number of the day, this is always a little bit harder, um, especially when we're doing them in the car. Um, but I, 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 I know mine off the top of my head because I, I kind of uh, – I'm going to do two numbers of the day, actually. Seven and three. Seven sacks for the Colts. Three turnovers forced. And if I told you that before the game, you'd think, oh, man, the Colts won and the defense played awesome. And they didn't. <laughs> And I mentioned that to DeForest Buckner. I used those two numbers talking to DeForest Buckner, and he was like, I got to be honest. I hadn't thought about that. I didn't know those numbers. I'm, I am I can't process that, essentially. Um, because, like, with this defensive collapse, so many times when the Colts have collapsed defensively in the past, we're talking about the pass rush didn't get sacks, pass rush didn't get home. And there was a lot of times that Cousins had time in the pack pocket, but they had seven sacks today and 11 quarterback hits. Those are good numbers. Even even when the guy dropped back 55 times, that's still getting hit. Hits are, I think, given out pretty sparsely in the NFL. That's 20% of his dropbacks. Um, 
and 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 still they gave up 436 yards in the second half. <laughs> it's it's just a hard those two numbers are so hard to square with what happened. There were also two fourth down stops. Like there were so many big defensive plays that didn't end up mattering at all. Yeah. And again, that's right. I take it obviously the defense allowed those yards. They got they got gashed on other plays, but take it back to the offense for never staying on the field and not you know, not scoring. Oh, I have a backup number unless and, you unless you take this. I'll do it uh, after you go. Okay. Uh, well, my number is one, which is the number of drives they had after halftime that went more than five plays. Okay, I'm gonna I, see. Mine, mine's gonna back this up. Okay, go ahead. Actually, I th- wasn't it two? I think they had a six and an eight. I thought there was just the eight. There might have been the six too. Uh, either way, it's not good. Uh, the, my other number was three twenty-nine. That's the longest amount of time that the Colts had the ball after halftime. Three minutes, 29 seconds. Why was it so hard for the defense? They faced 61 plays. Three minutes, 29 29 seconds is the longest the Colts offense could stay on the the field. Yeah, and I'll throw another number out there since it's on top of my head. Lots of bonus numbers of the day today. Uh, But the number is two, which that's how many catches the Colts' second-leading receiver had today. So Michael Pittman Jr. had 10 catches, just a force-fed day, and two catches. And it was, you know, they just couldn't get anything out of – uh, some pretty talented players in Paris Campbell and Alec Pierce, and hard to get answers on quite why that is. Other than obvious, the obvious answers they ran the ball so much, but um, just no, just not enough, not enough creativity and in, in play design. And that's something that Reggie Wayne, when I asked him on that exact topic a few weeks ago, he said we have to be a lot more creative uh, trying to get the ball to these guys, and also we have to run the ball well when teams sit in too high shells and they're not doing either one of those and today was kind of a bottoming out of both of those they ran for what three point three point nine nine yards of carry on 43 carries yeah and that was boosted up by i think it was 3.6 with running backs like that so then those are the situations where you're running against too high like that that's simply not good enough to make a team pay and so you know you face a team like uh, the Vikings, who had, I think, K.J. Osborne had like 10 catches, and then we know what Justin Jefferson did. They had 22 um, catches for 280 yards. Yeah. Like, you can't you – got to match you got to match that in some fashion, and the Colts just didn't come anywhere close. Game day observation. This is our interlude part of the podcast. Game day observation. I, mine's from the beginning. I had there, There's some other ones I don't want to take from you because I don't know where you're going to go. Uh the Vikings have a part where they have a, a Vikings legend say that this team was forged by the elements, and that's hilarious because <laughs> there are no elements in that stadium. Gorgeous stadium. One of, one of the prettiest stadiums to sit in and look at in, in the NFL. Gorgeous building. But forged by the elements, I was just it was giggling. I was giggling about that. There, there's no elements. Like, it's, it was snowing and cold. It's, it's snowing and cold here in Minnesota, and we didn't feel any of it after we walked in. So this team was forged by elements they can't feel. I will say the snow was absolutely gorgeous walking in. I was a big fan of that. But, yeah, then you get inside and it's like, well, this is a dome team. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. The, the one I was, I'll was, i take for game day observation was the, for some reason, there were a lot of paper airplanes. Yeah, they were bored. That's the Flying reason. around. Their team sucked for a, for a half. That's why, they were, that's why there were so many paper it's airplanes. It's amazing how many there were. They were. And they were getting down onto the field. The ref was having to go into the end zone and pull them away. Uh, now, I noticed the one time when he was pulling it out of the end zone, the Colts were trying to go into the end zone, so he probably knew he had time to go into the end zone and wasn't going to get hit by uh, anyone scoring from the Colts. So 
that was just kind of funny to watch the boredom of this very passionate fan base. But for a half, they were just like, what on earth? And then, of course, they got rewarded in the second half. But that was funny in the moment. Three elements of the game that brought me joy. Number one, Jojo Doman's touchdown. Uh, I I have this this specific thing that I, I just really like it when guys on the bottom of the roster get touchdowns. And the reason is, like, I just think that scoring a touchdown in the NFL is such a special thing, especially for somebody who plays a position like linebacker or offensive line or special teams. It's always really fun for me to see uh, when, when that happens. Um yeah, it just it just tickles me to death. Uh, so JoJo Doman getting a touchdown, like that's something that like no matter what happens with JoJo Doman's career from here on out, he scored a touchdown in an NFL game. Uh, number two thing that brought me joy, you know, the funny thing is I had these like all in my head. I thought it was easy, and now I can't remember any of them because of what happened in the second half. <laughs> um, oh, uh, number two, number two, the the Vikings just seeming in a bit like they just didn't watch tape. I don't understand some of the calls they made in the first half. It yeah. made no sense to me. So these are going to be mean things that brought me joy, but sometimes this happens. Like, their first fourth down, they're like, what should we do? Let's run straight at Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner, and Zaire Franklin. <laughs> what a great idea. Teams, all, teams keep doing it, though, so they're not the only one. They single block DeForest Buckner on a third down, also dumb. Like, there was just so many things early in the game that you're like, what are you doing? And this, the third one... I was cackling about this at the press box because it just tickles. Like, I just don't understand why you would do this. They called a fake punt, but it wasn't a. But the play itself wasn't gadgety. Having your punter throw the ball—that's gadgety. But the play itself wasn't gadgety. It was a stop route. <laughs> it was fourth and one, and they ran a stop route with their gunner, and who is a wide receiver, who is a wide receiver by trade. But, but you're asking your punter to make what's essentially a contested throw. Again, and he predictably sailed it. It was hilarious. Doing it against Isaiah Rodgers, who is a starting corner. Right. You right. didn't get a bad right. position it was, there. It was like the it was like the Viking sixth receiver versus a starting cornerback. <laughs> that was great. Um, and I will I'll just add one since I never am able to come up with three. Uh, but mine just adds on to the one you mentioned, JoJo Doman's touchdown. But what brought me joy was Avadi Odenigbo's role in that. He's the one who blocked it. And funny story, he was not supposed to be on that team. He doesn't play the pump block team, but this week, and this shows you kind of the way that Bubba Ventrone thinks, he just, Bubba Ventrone decided to add him there this week to rush through the middle, thinking that uh, basically the explanation was that if they saw this big defensive lineman coming after him, they thought the lineman would adjust to him and free up somebody else. Well, they just didn't block him, <laughs> and so or not much, so he just comes through. And it, his explanation was just kind of funny because he said he he's so unused to being in that spot, and in his mind he goes, if I go for the block and I miss, I am never going to be allowed to play again because I'm going to be this big dude who just crushed a punter and let a team get back in it, uh, you know, get momentum. Instead, he just said he just kind of tried to run by, just stick a hand out, and he ends yeah, up it getting it blocked. That's a big one for my hero. Okay, now back to the serious categories. Too little blame. Or let's go Let's go too much blame first. We'll go too much blame first, then we'll get to too little blame. Uh, too much blame for this one. This is going to be tough. Um, it is. Yeah, I'm having trouble with this too much blame one. I feel like everyone's getting the appropriate amounts of blame. I mean, it's the worst. But we're gonna have to table this. We're gonna have to table this. Um, one? I guess maybe maybe here's one. Maybe. I'll, I'll here's one I'll do for too much blame. Okay. Um, 
the same one I just mentioned, Afedio Denigbo. I don't know if he's getting a lot of blame, but there might be people oh, out here for the last play. who think the last play was like this uh, this uh, big egregious moment, and uh, you know where he he just sort of you know was holding Justin Jefferson down, and he got a penalty. It ended up being a delay game, and so you you play it out, and it's you know the, because of the penalty, it stopped the clock for them. They were going to have to rush up. I mean, they were going to spike it. I think they would have had time to do it. Um, but in the moment, it looks like you gave a free timeout, and it's like, why would you do that? But you got to understand the mentality of a player in that moment. He said he knew they were snapping the ball from, like, the 42, and he's like, they passed up a field goal last time, so they're not currently in range yet. This is our last chance to stop them. They run a screen to Justin Jefferson, and he gets the first down, and he knew, like, he's like, oh, they're in field goal range now. And, like, we're in overtime. We're going to lose this game. He said, I'm just – he, and he just went to his training, which is uh, more or less admitted that they are trained to try and delay players like that. Like, you know, like which makes not sense. Get which up. makes sense. If the offensive player is trained to get the ball to the middle of the field, the defensive player is going to be trained to get in the way. That just makes sense. And he said he didn't know where the clock was, so his hope was that the it would just run out, and he would just say, "Well, I'm just laying here." And then the problem is, there's too much time to actually pull that off, so it became yeah, there's, obvious. There's a lot of time. It was like and 20 seconds or something. So I just say, if he's getting blame out there, I mean, look it. It didn't work, obviously, but it's like you got to understand they they were in the most desperate of moments. And that there. five yards probably didn't matter that much. That five yards yeah. essentially probably didn't matter that much. Um, too much blame. I don't know if I can come up with anybody. Maybe the maybe the defensive line. Seven sacks and eleven quarterback hits is a lot in any game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I need to. I don't think I need to go further in that one. But I I thought that they they put a lot of pressure on Cousins. Um, and made a lot of plays in the backfield. Like the Colts also had something like ten tackles for loss. So that's that's a kind of a, a soft too too much blame, but we'll do that. Too and, little and blame. the thing I'll add to that is that's an extension of kind of why I'm saying I don't blame the defense as much. I know the numbers end up looking bad and obviously obviously they let them do whatever they wanted down the stretch. But the thing about it is like you've got to also give credit to the other team sometimes. Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson are like all world players who made all world plays they do that at home if you give a team life like that that specific team this is going to happen this is what Odenigbo explained because he played with those guys and he's like we knew they were going to make some plays like that but it was about could they make the closing plays on defense which they obviously did not but also you know that's where it goes back to the offense like keep those guys off the field have a possession that's longer than three minutes in the second half or you know god forbid score a touchdown make them a little bit more desperate to force something uh, you know, so I think defensive line just is is a good pick for that because it's an extension of a defense that, yeah, the numbers look bad and they didn't do their job, but they really were given absolutely no help in a tough matchup. Too little blame. Uh, this is my probably hottest take from the game. I think they should have kicked the field goal on fourth down. Would have been a fifty or four like the one that the they tried to sneak it and got called short. Uh, fifty-four yard field goal for Chase McLaughlin. He just hit a fifty-two yarder. They were indoors. Win's not a factor. He's 8 of 11 on 50-yard field goals, which means he's been good at that this season. Colts offense has been awful in, in short yardage situations all season. In this game alone, Zach Moss had taken losses of 7 yards and 2 yards in third and short situations because they didn't block well. I I think normally normally I'm a go-for-it guy, go-for-it and try to win the game that way guy. But because of the team that the Colts have – and this Jeff Saturday made some weird explanation where he was like, "We've we've got a history of doing this." I was like, "No, you don't." Um, nope. But he also he team, also said he liked the matchup which of the make quarterback sense to me. sneak. 
because but 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 because because of the team that they have and what they have going on there, for me that's too little blame. I, I think I think the more I thought about this after the game, the more I talked myself into it. I think if you're playing the team that you have, you let McLaughlin kick that field goal because then it'd be 11 points. It'd be a it'd be a two score game. The Vikings would have had the same two minutes and 19 ish seconds with uh, no timeouts. Two scores would have been a lot. Even even the way the Colts defense was playing, I think I would have kicked the field goal. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it, again, this goes against what I would normally say for these type of things because. Um, uh, you know, I just don't think you can trust that offense at all. When I, if that, the payoff to that I still don't think is that high in likelihood because if they get it and they're kind of – the likelihoods are still going to kick a field goal or turn it over. Um, the turnover rate danger is so high for this team, and they have such a hard time getting it in the end zone. So you're probably going to wind up kicking anyway. So it's a lot of work to try and set up what was likely going to happen anyway. I know that sounds like you know loser mentality, but I think you have to be real about what this team is. We know exactly what they are at this point in time. And again, when you go for it, it whatever you want to say about the matchup, you're trusting your offensive line there, and that they have not earned that either. And that's what I'm going to go to for too little blame. It's very unoriginal because I feel like I go to that. We go to that a lot in some form or fashion. But again, your offensive line—it's a healthy unit. Five guys out there. This was their chance to, you know, they had a chance to have a big role in this game and keep them in a shootout, and uh, it just wasn't there. The pass, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but they were also not facing the greatest opponent, and they just have a way that in the, you know, they'll play fine for a while, but in the crunch, you know, clutch moments, crunch time, they just tend to make a big mistake, and it's, you know, it's, again, Bernard Ryman, false starting. Big false start late, yeah. Um, That was the latest one, Um, so there's – and there was a sack there and an obvious pass down. That that always strikes up too when they have to throw. It's just too easy on the on the defense. So too little blame also go to the offensive line, which again is, under Jeff Saturday has been better. They don't have, give up as many free rushers and all of that, but it's still it's still a unit that's definitely not in the top top half of the NFL. And when it's not, um, that's why the offense is stuck. One that might be a mirage. Um, I'm going to go with the Colts starting fast in quotes. Um, I, I get it. They've scored more points. They've had some drives early in games where they scored points. They didn't do that earlier this year. So I understand what you're saying, but I think most people are talking about the offense. It was a bad start for the offense. It wasn't a good start for the offense. They did not play that well. They were getting field goals after the defense. Like Between Kevin O'Connell and the Colts' defense, they gave them the ball on the, 30, on the Vikings 31 twice, and the Colts got field goals out of it and almost no drive. Um, another great lights display, by the way. I like the Christmas yeah, lights. They're showing out here, man. Um, the uh, the they they they. I I understand what people are saying. They're scoring more. They've been starting a little. I guess they're starting a little faster. They're playing a little bit better. To me, the finishes and like the like the fact that they've been so bad at the end of games, it just kind of overshadows all that. And today was highly, I think, dependent on the Vikings. They they got the punt. They gave up a punt block. They had the the fourth down calls. Um, and and it's, a, it's a bad Vikings defense. So an early score from the Colts there, kind of like the Raiders game, to me some of these fast starts just have more to do with the opponent than they do with the Colts. And I don't know. For me it's a, it's, it's a mirage. Like they are starting faster, but the idea that, they're pl- that the team is playing better because they're starting faster is the mirage to me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's uh, 
you know, it's it's the same thing with like with the offensive line. Like just because they're starting faster than they were doesn't mean that they fixed something. They just they there was a low bar to come from what they were in the beginning of the season. So um, uh, for too little or for Mirage, I guess I'd go with the idea that uh, that Michael Pittman is just a short yardage possession receiver. That's certainly what his numbers this year look like. He's in the top ten in catches, but he's not in the top fifty in yards or wasn't coming into it today. What is it? Ten catches for sixty yards. Yeah, so rough, rough game. Very much looks that they way. They ran like they ran like a gazillion bubble screens to him. Or, yeah, or I mean that's screens. all the routes they're running are that. So it looks like that's what they think he is, but really. They're not running any. They're not completing anything down the field. They're very rarely running it. Um, I think it's a. It's a. He mix was of, open on the deep shot they took out of the end zone too. It was a bad throw by Ryan. Yeah, it's Ryan's not getting the ball there. I think. I think there's times when Ryan is passing up some of the deeper routes. I've watched them run deep, and he just doesn't throw it because, again, it's a mix. He sometimes he doesn't have the time, but also. I just don't think he trusts his arm the same way that he used to ever since the separated shoulder. I've not seen him dial those up, um, you know, late in a down. So I just – we saw enough of his downfield plays last year. I'm not saying that this guy is, you know, that he's going to run away from the defense and that he's, uh, that he's Jamar Chase. But, like, I, I think there's more to him than just some of these, you know, six-yard catches. That's just all this offense is built for with their offensive line, their quarterback, and their scheme right now. And so he's – doing the best he can within that it's you know and, and making some mistakes too he fumbled and had a drop but he did catch 10, catch 10 passes I, I just think there's more to unpack with him and I really see that take a lot where everyone's saying yeah well he's just a fine little possession receiver and we saw it last year and I just I, I think he's he's been penalized a little bit in that way because of a passing game that has been broken pretty much consistently since I got here on this beat that brings us to the final category, the one we always end on. And we're going to end with one to bank on. My one to bank on is one of the biggest reasons that they've been so bad at finishing games has been Matt Ryan. He hasn't found – early in the season, we, we wrote a lot and talked a lot and got a lot of interviews about how Ryan was unflappable in the clutch. He was kept coming up the drives late in games. That's how they won three games. That's how they tied the Texans. He hasn't done that since Jeff Saturday took over, and really since he he came back. There, you know, they there was a little bit against the Raiders, bad defense, but they they've had opportunities for drives in each of these four losses. That like even tonight, even today, in in as bad as that comeback was, they had the ball with a chance to win it in overtime, and didn't get anywhere. And Ryan, I mean, as many of you pointed out, he just looks done. And I think maybe the place that he looks the most done is they, they're not getting drives, they're not getting plays uh, in the fourth quarter like they were in the beginning of the season. Um, and and that's, that's, that, for me, that's, that's the one to bank on, is Ryan, Ryan has not played anywhere near the same way he did early in the season in clutch moments. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think it totally goes back to the arm because I – Matty Ice to Matty Meltdown. <laughs> nice. I, uh, Harsh, but nice. You know, I still think all the leadership stuff, I think he's the same guy, and that was a big part of those comebacks. The problem, though, is you have to have the physical abilities, too, at some point. Or it would, again, if this was... Well, he's not unflappable in the pocket, either. Like, that's the thing, is he was unflappable in yeah. those moments early, and, like, whatever had happened earlier in the game, he would be comfortable in the pocket and decisive, and he hasn't been like that in a long time. And, like, you know, that's, yeah. to me, that's to more than the leadership... There's lots of people who are good leaders who can't play football. 
like that the, the not the the whole nickname Matty Ice comes from him being cool when they have to come back. We haven't seen him play like that in a long time. Yeah, I don't think he has trust in the system, the line, or his arm, and so that's where it that's is. That's a lot of that's a lot of lot of trust to not have. Yeah, and if you don't have that, I mean, that's what the quarterback position is—is is trust. They had it early in the year, and again, these are some of the effects of all the changes they want to put on it. He did trust uh, Frank Reich, Marcus Brady, the system they had. Sometimes too much. Sometimes it led to turnovers, but. I think it also helped lead to some of those comebacks in a way that it's not there anymore, and also the arm's not there anymore. So it is, it is definitely looking like he's he's losing it physically, and, and that spills over to everything else. Um, let me think. The one to bank on, I guess I'd say, like the Colts are just a run it all the time team. I mean, we kind of knew that, but then you think even when it's not working, is yeah, what you're saying. when it's not working, and when they don't have Jonathan Taylor, you'd think. Like there was a game when they didn't have Jonathan Taylor early in the year, and Deion Jackson started, and they threw 58 times because they just realized like we don't have our superstar back. We're not going to overextend this undrafted second-year player. We are going to instead, you know, use him for what we think he's best at, which is receiving and limit it. And today they just, you know, Taylor goes out, and and Jeff gave a very kind of contradictory answer to that when I asked, as he said, you know, you can't replace. Jonathan Taylor, he does things no one else can do. There's no point in trying, but then they did try. I mean, they gave 37 carries to running backs, so it just seems like that's going to be what they do. That's that's what they that's what you know. Jeff Saturday feels like he, you know, that's what he knows. That's what he's comfortable with. That's what he wants to do to bring out the best of his offensive line. I guess you know they don't trust the passing game, and I don't necessarily blame them for that. But it, it's to the point where if you're going to run this level. Another number I could have brought up was 17. Devin Cook only ran it 17 times, and he is a stud running back. And this team, not take away from these guys, these are depth pieces, though. Deion Jackson was supposed to be a third stringer. Zach Moss was should be a third stringer. Those guys all of a sudden are getting, uh, you know, you know, 37 carries between the two of them. So it just shows you that this is what they're always going to do. They're going to run their and all their critical downs. Um, when it's short enough yardage, they, they, they lean on the run. That's who they are. So I think it's uh, it's probably here to stay kind of regardless of Jonathan Taylor's health. That's the categories. That's going to be probably about it for us uh, on the Colts Cover 2 First Impressions podcast from the biggest collapse in NFL history. Um, most people are going to call it the greatest comeback in NFL history, but we cover the Colts. This is a Colts podcast, so it's the biggest collapse in NFL history. Uh, another just – as as bad as the fourth quarter was against the Cowboys, you thought it couldn't get any worse, and they found something worse. So uh, keep keep an eye out. We're going to keep covering this team, keep uh, putting stuff on IndyStar.com. We'll have another podcast midweek. I know it's Christmas week. You guys are going to be with your families. But Colts have a game coming up against the Chargers. We've got access with the players and, and Saturday for uh, the first five days of the week and then Christmas Eve and Christmas Day uh, with nothing. Keep your, keep your dial tuned to IndyStar.com. And, again, if not for us, for Indiana basketball, Purdue basketball, Pacers, everything else that's going on, for the IndyStar, I am Joel A. Erickson. This has been Nate Atkins from Minnesota.